Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. The Twilight Zone. No, it's your funk radio involving The Twilight Zone. Isn't The Twilight Zone on Netflix? I believe so, yeah. That's awesome. Sadly, yeah, we're not actually talking about The Twilight Zone. Um, Today is a continuation, actually, of our four-part series for Black History Month. Yay. Yay. So let's let's recap really quick what we talked about last time. Yeah. If you didn't catch our last episode, we talked about um, the birth of Martin Luther King Day and also uh, Stevie Wonder's song, Happy Birthday, and its influence in actually getting the holiday uh, marked as a national holiday. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. And we learned some new things from that. I don't think yeah. either of us knew that that song was like even, played, even played about a big part Martin Luther King. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even though the lyrics are pretty yeah. clearly about him. Yeah, I don't think I... I don't, the sad thing was like the only thing I remember from that song up until that episode was just the Happy Birthday Chorus. <laughs> so, um, Two more things we should discuss before we get started. Yes. One, I think we need to address um, this last week, Maurice White died. Yeah. The founder of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. And that was really sad. That was very sad. He was fairly old, though, was he not? I think he was in his early, like, 74 or something. Oh, well, that's... That's fairly old. Average, I suppose. For you people who don't know who he was, um, like I just said, he was the founder of Earth, Wind, and Fire, which is easily one of, like, the biggest band names in funk history, basically. Yeah, they're... Um, they were super influential in the seventy in that seventies sort of soul disco movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't know them by name, I'm positive that you've heard at least a couple of their, of their songs. Yeah, Shining um, Star, September, Boogie uh, Wonderland. Yeah, Boogie Wonderland. I feel like we should do an episode on him, maybe next month sometime, because I'm pretty sure even before he formed that band, he was like. Fairly prominent, like songwriter, Mm -hmm. for other people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know a whole lot about that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. um, When we saw Earth, Wind, and Fire back in 2013, uh, he was not actually touring with the band at that point. It was his younger brother, I believe. Am I wrong? That sounds familiar. I don't think he was there because at the time I thought that he had already died. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. And then. Uh, Afterward, I looked it up and I was like, oh, he's still alive. But then I guess he wasn't there, maybe. Yeah, I don't believe he was. I know the band is still touring, but I don't believe he was a part of that uh, any longer, probably due to health reasons or whatever. Uh, that might have been it. Well, that's too bad, though, because that could have been like, we could have seen him before, you know, yeah, he passed exactly. on. But that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of people got to see him and enjoy his funky legacy. Yeah. Yeah. He passed away uh, February 4th. So just this last, what? Thursday? A couple days ago, yeah. So, pretty sad. That happens a lot. If if you don't already know that, listeners, if people we talk people about, if they're, already, if they're not already dead, they die when we're doing the show. <laughs> like literally, as we're doing the show, they just listen to it and then die because they're like, I don't want to live anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they say they don't have to live anymore because we are carrying on their legacy. Exactly. Yes, Let's put a positive spin on it and not get into legal trouble. <laughs> Being responsible for the death of a bunch of celebrities. Yeah. Um, so the other thing 
I said there were two things we should talk about before we get started. Yep. I don't know if the other thing is that relevant, but you were I was amused by uh, the story you were telling me before we started recording about Macy's going out or something. Oh, yeah. So the um, the Macy's near me in the mall is going out of business. Not Not all Macy's, I don't believe, but I think they're closing a decent amount of their stores. So because this Macy's was going out of business, they... We're having this huge like liquidation sale, like 50% off everything. Well, I didn't realize at the time when I went there that everything meant literally everything. So on top of all the clothing they had, they were also selling, um, you know, the shelves, the racks, and the mannequins <laughs> that they had the clothes displayed on. So me and my, you know, impulse buy sort of nature was really, really tempted <laughs> to buy a mannequin just to say I had a mannequin. You know what you could do? Yes. You could um, buy one, put some clothes on it, stick it in the, in your passenger seat, and then you can just use the uh, <laughs> use carpool the carpool lane. lane. Uh, that'd be funny. Or I could buy it and then create like some weird robot out of it and recreate that Herbie Hancock video. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I do. And that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That is actually very terrifying. But yeah, they had like the torso <laughs> mannequins. They had like the headless ones. They had the, the full body. And even though they were like, quote, on sale, they were really expensive. They were like, I like, think the cheapest one I found was like 150 I'm like, I don't want to pay $150 for like a disembodied torso. Kyle's like, I can go get one for free. <laughs> I we really go. need to stop talking about killing people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was uh, terrible. But yeah, so if anybody in the Orange County area is in need of a plastic mannequin, then Macy's is your place. No, you see, you should have bought them all and then jacked up the prices. <clears throat> I should have Kyle, bought them all and created a mannequin army. <laughs> Kyle's mannequin emporium. <laughs> I just imagine me in like a store full of like naked mannequins. Why would anybody buy my stuff? <laughs> Terrible. Oh, Lord. Okay, well, now we can get on to our regular... Schedule, regularly, regularly scheduled, scheduled program. program, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need so, to put that weird sound effect. Like, you know, when they do the testing on TVs, it's like, this is a test of the national broadcast system. Oh, yeah. And the then, beeps and boops. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get arrested for causing a national panic. <laughs> It'll be like uh, that, uh, uh, shit, George Orwell when he did the whole War of the Worlds thing in the 30s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not George Orwell, he's the writer of the... Who's the actor? I know guy? Who you're talking about. Yeah, though. that guy, the fat guy, <laughs> Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get them mixed up a lot. Yeah, <laughs> is it sad that I do too? Because their names are similar, even though they have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. So today, um, falling in line with, um, as Kyle was explaining earlier, our Black History Month series. Um, so last week we talked about a song. Stevie Wonder's uh, Happy Birthday. This week, we're talking about By the Time I Get to Arizona by Public Enemy. So similar to last week, um, this one is also dealing with Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you want to hear more about, like, how it, that day kind of developed into a holiday across the United States, then listen to the last episode. Because mm-hmm. we don't really want to do it again. But, um, uh, but the main thing to take away from there that's relevant here is that um it's not like it was made a holiday nationally and everybody had it at the same time all the states had to kind of accept it at different times Mm -hmm. so i believe it took something like 
between 15 and 20 years or so yeah, um, for all of the states to do it. Yeah, as we discussed before, I think South Carolina might have been the last holdout, and it wasn't really even made uh, like a holiday in all 50 states until like 2000 or something about that. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Good memory. <laughs> um, but this particular, I guess, instance is dealing with, I guess, in 1990, the people of Arizona voted down a proposal to create a state holiday for Martin Luther King by a small margin of 17,000 votes. The sad thing is I think that's about half the population of Arizona. Uh, (laughs) So basically the governor of Arizona at the time, Governor Evan Mitchum, uh, canceled MLK Day saying, quote, I guess King did a lot for the colored people, but I don't think he deserves a national holiday. That's so bad. What a fuck. (laughs) First of all, if you start your sentence off with the colored people, you're probably going down a bad road. You're off to a bad start. Yeah. It's like it's like um Donald Trump when he's like, Oh, I love the blacks or I love the Asians. It's like if you're mm. if you're in, rooted in that old mindset where you call a group of people the blank, then it's like what you're you're rooted in something bad. Because it's like yeah. pure stereotype at that point. So I'm a little confused. Um, so yeah, we're talking a little bit about the background of what happened before, like the song came about. Um, but that was it. You said that was in 1990. Um, yes. This song came out in 1991, and it says Arizona and New Hampshire were the only states that did not recognize MLK Day, which confuses me because of what we said last time with South Carolina, like a decade later. I think it, I think for South Carolina, it was a matter of. Hmm. I thought for South Carolina, it was a matter of recognizing it as a national holiday, and that's not a state holiday. But I don't know what the, the legal difference Maybe. is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's really strange. I don't know how that all works. Yeah. We probably should, since we're talking about it on a show. <laughs> um, we could Google it very quickly. Well, nevertheless. On-the-fly f- on research. All right. Uh, nevertheless, Arizona and New Hampshire were at the time in 1991 still holding out, not wanting to um, honor Martin Luther King with his own holiday. Um, so Public Enemy, who, if you don't know who they are, um, they were a rather prominent um, hip-hop group in the late 80s and early 90s. And um, they were honestly pretty pissed off about this whole thing, you know, understandably, because, you know, it's 1990 and we still got politicians saying you know what the colored people don't need their own holiday Um, obviously that pissed off a lot of people so they were like screw it we're gonna make a really politically charged song about how we're gonna go and fuck things up in arizona because we're mad um going i guess uh a little bit more research into the passing of the holiday yeah is it's, it's actually more interesting than i thought basically Although the federal, a federal holiday was passed in 1983 that then took effect three years later, not every U.S. state chose to observe the holiday at the state level until 1991, when the New Hampshire legislator created, quote, Civil Rights Day. Um, and okay. in 2000, Utah became the last day, state to have a holiday named after Dr. King when Human Rights Day was officially changed to Martin Luther King Day. Now, here's the funny thing about Arizona. Mm. In 1986, 
uh, the governor of Arizona, Bruce Babbitt, who was a Democrat, created a paid state Martin Luther King Day by executive order just before he left office. But then when his successor, Evan Metcham, came into office, he basically said, you know, oh, he did this by executive order. He didn't, he didn't put it to a vote. That's illegal, blah, blah, blah. I'm going uh. to put it to a vote. And that's when it basically got overturned. And they said, "No, we're no longer going to observe it." So it. that was even more of a bit, more of a big slap in the face for you know proponents of civil rights and Martha King to have the holiday be accepted and put into law in Arizona and then overturned, then taken again. away again. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So I, I can see why they were upset. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's almost worse than like just not ever having it at all. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, we had that. it for three years. <laughs> Or a couple of years, and then hmm. overturned it because people are dumb. So, in terms of like state level, national level stuff, it was 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 it basically that a state, the states within some things span of time, they needed to have some holiday that was relevant to that. It was. It's basically a matter of like you can have a federal holiday, but the states don't have to observe that holiday as a like quote bank holiday or a paid holiday off for public employees. But they can. But they, they can. want to exactly got it. So you can have something be a national holiday, and then the, it, unless that national holiday is said, hey, this is a paid holiday for all. You can say it's a paid holiday for federal and public um, employees, but not. Mm-hmm. You can't say, oh, state public employees are under that umbrella as well. Ind- individual states have to have to decide that. Got it. Because of our interest system. Well, I'm glad you looked that up. Yep. Because now we sounded a little bit more intelligent. Slightly. Yay for <laughs> governance. Let's see. Where do you want to start with the the song itself? Um, well, we can start basically with why they wrote it, I suppose. I mean, we already kind of covered that a little bit, but I guess um, the uh, leads, leader of Public Enemy, Chuck D, um, basically in the song took aim at the citizens of Arizona who voted this down and basically, like, shit all over them. I'll quote a couple lines and then we can play some of the song as well. Sure. But he says, quote, The cracker over there, he tried to keep it yesteryear, the good old days, the same old ways that kept us dying. Basically saying like all these backwards mm-hmm. white folk, uh, you know, who don't like the idea of, of progress for minorities, uh, wanted, yeah. wanted to abolish the holiday because then, you know, they would have to recognize what Martin Luther King did. And he said, uh, I guess in, this isn't actually a, a lyric from the song, but he also said in an interview, quote, I'm a firm believer that hip hop can change the world and make statements like Bob Marley. At the mm. time, Bob Marley was very popular. I think he died at that point, maybe. <sighs> Around I then. Yeah, I know it was either the late 80s or early 90s. I'll look it up while you keep talking. I can dig it. But this song uh, was recorded for their Public Enemy's fourth album, Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Back. Awesome name. (laughs) Uh, After the platinum success of their previous album, Fear of a Black Planet, which also sounds... Dude, their album titles are the shit. I would totally watch a movie called that, like Fear of a Black Planet. I think... Actually, can I make a comment about that? I want to say the album cover of Fear of a Black Planet. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be completely wrong here. I'm pretty sure it's a screenshot from like some propaganda film from the 40s but it was like something bad about black people 
and I feel horrible like not knowing what it was called or what it was about, but I'm pretty sure they took like the imagery from that film and used it in their thing. Okay, continue. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm done. That's oh okay. well. While I while I am talking, I will. Um, Bob Marley died in '81. Oh wow, wow. That's yeah. I know he died very young. I didn't realize it was that that long ago. Up to that point, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's sad. I know we talked about his death too. He died of cancer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> so here's a, here's another fun fact about um, this song. There is a music video for the song. However, mm. the music video was only played on MTV. Where, you know, obviously uh, they had Yo MTV raps and all that big stuff in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, was only played on MTV one time because, along with showing. 60s video uh, of, you know, the, the race riots and people being beaten and all this. The end of the video culminated in the lead singer Chuck D detonating a car bomb that assassinates the Arizona governor, Mitchum. Yeah. <laughs> and basically because of their depiction of assassinating a governor, they... Um, basically the FCC was like, whoa, no, you guys can't put that on TV. Yeah, and it was actually it was interesting too that they actually knew that was probably going to happen as well because I was reading in this interview with Chuck D. Um, la 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 la. Oh yeah, he said um, we knew that this video would probably be seen no more than five times, but we were okay with that. So you know they wanted to get in the music video is honestly why this song is kind of like such a controversial thing because of you know what you said and that's why it's kind of a big deal. But they knew that even though it was probably going to get taken down from TV and that not very many people would see it. They still felt strongly enough about the message getting across that they didn't care. They, you know, they put a lot of work into it Mm -hmm. just so at least if some people could see it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely, we'll post the video on, uh, on our Facebook page for you guys to watch as well. It's on YouTube, obviously everything's on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I know I didn't realize that their, I guess, political statement kind of went to that length. Yeah, I mean, I think this was kind of like the peak of their whole political thing. Mm-hmm. Here's a uh, here's an interesting factoid as well. Um, due to all the, I guess, negative publicity that Arizona got because of this, uh, in 1993, they were originally going to play the Super Bowl in Temp, Arizona, but they pulled their bid. And uh, it says that the state lost an estimated $350 million in revenue uh, by pulling that because, you know, all the ads and the, the tickets and all that crap. Right. And taxes from the all tourism that. and stuff. Uh, oh, boy. So, and they didn't. Yeah. And because of basically because of that fallout, not because of, you know, the cultural shame or anything, but basically because they lost money, they uh, <laughs> had a referendum vote in 93 to reinstate it as a holiday. Yeah. So once again, we see that the song actually becomes um, a pretty good instigator of change Mm -hmm. in society, kind of like the last the last one as well. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, But you do want to keep talking about this stuff, but um, let's play a clip for our listeners. Sounds good. People smile while in the heat 120 degrees Cause I wanna be free What's a smiling face When the whole state's racist Why well, I wanna holiday Damn it cause I wanna So if I celebrate it Staying on the corner I ain't drinking Once again that's called By the time I get to Arizona 
and that's by Public Enemy. If you have something you want to talk about, you can do it. I, there's something I wanted to bring up from this interview, but I have to find it. Uh, I just I just found it kind of interesting. I guess the way they came up with the title of the song by the time I get to Arizona mm. is Chuck D said, quote, uh, I'm a big fan of Isaac Hayes and his version of By the Time I Get to Phoenix, the Jim Webb, Glenn Campbell song. The title came first. I always like to work from titles. So it was mm. kind of a riff on a uh, Isaac Hayes song or Isaac Hayes cover, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I found the I found the bit from this interview that I wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, with Chuck D, uh, the interviewer says, "Preaching nonviolence was Dr. King's life's work." Did you find any contradiction in the militancy and the violence in the video, which was is which is about honoring him? Um, and Chuck D says, "Quote: No, because there's no contradiction. Myself, Dr. King didn't make the video. Dr. King died a violent death, and I was answering that. As a child, I was pissed off that they killed Dr. King, and I was answering that." Regardless of what Dr. King believed, the act of his life being taken was not a passive thing, so I don't feel any contradiction to this moment. Look, I'm for peace, but I can make a visual statement about how I feel about what happened. The actuality is that I shot a video in rebuttal to something that happened in real life. I think that brings up a really good point. Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, obviously a really big thing about Dr. King is that, you you know, he never promoted any kind of violence in the change that he was working for and you know to, to have something that's i guess i mean yeah I mean, it's in a way it's honoring him but in something that's like completely opposite of king's style i, I think that's worth bringing up because people might get the wrong idea from that um but i, I felt that was a pretty good answer on chuck d's part yeah it's, it's a very good point and i'm sure after king's assassination although he was not he, he did preach nonviolence. You know, a lot of people were like, you know, this is unfortunately what happens when people preach nonviolence. They get, they get smothered by violence. So some yeah. people kind of asserted that as, oh, you can only combat violence with violence. Exactly. Um, there's a there's another funny anecdote in that um, that particular interview, where the interviewer says, um, your stage go- shows uh, at the time when that song was out apparently mm-hmm. got a lot of attention as well. Chuck D's like, yeah, during the performance of the song in 91, we would hang a Klansman on stage in Arizona in Sun Devil Stadium, where we were opening up for U2. We played just that one song and then left the stage. <laughs> and then the the, mm. rev- the interviewer um, responds, you know, did you, did, did you tell U2 you were going to do that? Chuck D says, I had the blessings of Bono to do it. He just punched me in the chest and gave me a pound. The crowd was kind of pissed off. It was a U2 crowd, but there was a large contingent that was really interested in seeing us. That's pretty funny. It's it's uh, just the idea of U2 touring with Public Enemy is actually really funny by itself because yeah. although the, although they're both uh, very politically motivated, they're kind of on opposite ends of the musical spectrum in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have your soft uh, protest rock and your very angry protest rap. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're both they're both protesters in their own way, so good for them. You know, and this isn't, and honestly, because you know, we were saying that this is more or less probably like the peak of Public Enemy's um, kind of politically, I'll just say controversial because I can't think of a better word, um, music. Because they were also we all we've also talked about them before with um, Fight the Power, which was mm-hmm. in eighty something. It was a few years before this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that was about the upset with, you know, the treatment of black people and stuff in the 80s as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's easily, you know, one of 
the most well-known songs of that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, in, and I would argue that that, that section, yes, that song is much more well-known than this one. It's pro- Yeah, I would say it's easily their most well-known song. Yeah, so I mean, it goes to show that, you know, obviously this isn't the only time that they did something like this. Yeah, yeah. honestly, a lot of their songs were very, I mean, they were, it wasn't necessarily targeted at one specific moment in time, but they were all very politically charged. Mm-hmm. You know, Fight the Power, there's another song that comes to mind, I believe it's uh, 911 is a joke in your town or something along those lines, basically. I haven't heard that one. A lot. Of, it starts a lot of Flavor Flav, which is always awesome. Uh, oh, I forgot Flavor Flav was yeah, part of Yeah, he was like the hype man, remember? Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> uh god that guy i love that guy um yeah it was just it was just commenting on the basically lack of proper policing especially in the black communities you know people get shot people you know no one calls 911 because they know they don't give a shit Hmm. it's a interesting concept i mean i think that song is probably still just as relevant now oh yeah you see all these protests regarding police brutality Hmm. of in recent months and years and it makes you question like did anything change in 20 years or did it get worse or did it get better that's why we have to keep having music like this yeah exactly to spark the change that's what we need we need like a public enemy for this decade we have kanye (laughs) god damn it (laughs) don't ever say that again (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong there's plenty of protest rappers nowadays just you know just as who are just as influential as Public Enemy was in the '90s, so they're carrying on their work, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the song was just as controversial easily as the video, mm-hmm. especially when you depict you know a sitting member of of government being killed. It's never usually a good thing. Yeah, I mean, lyrically, it doesn't talk about that guy in particular. Anyway, no, no. I mean, again, free speech. I don't. You should be able to do that if you want to, but at the same time, there's going to be backlash. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As long as it's not like an obvious direct threat. Mm. But that's the problem: is anyone can interpret it. Oh, it's you know, depicting it on video is the same as threatening to do it. It's like no, no, it's not. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, and that interview that we've been referencing throughout the episode was from Spin.com. I don't know if we ever mentioned that. Yeah, sorry, I don't want to. What's the word? Uh, plagiarize. That's our bibliography. Yeah, exactly. Um, Did you um have any personal comments on the the music video? Um, I like it. I think it's powerful. Yeah, I, I I think. And actually, I don't have the tab open anymore. But I think like all of the like the protest footage, quote unquote, was like you know it was they were, it was all reenacted. It wasn't like actual footage from yeah the stuff and this guy they have that's acting that's i guess supposedly supposed to be martin luther king although it doesn't really look like him to me it's Mm -hmm. interesting how you know you see all these white people like blatantly like mocking him to his face and even at one point he's sitting at a diner and all these white people are like mocking him and then they start pouring spaghetti all over his head yeah yeah exactly it's all it's all i guess 60 style recreations of um Martin Luther King and race riots and stuff, but yeah. it's, it's powerful to see him be, I guess, so subjugated. Oh, and then one other thing. So they also have like the car bomb, as we mentioned, for the one guy, mm-hmm. but it's also like they're, um, they like they coordinated three different assassinations at once. Uh, because one is the car bomb, another one they give like a box of chocolates to another guy, and that turns out that they're poisoned and he dies. 
Yeah. And then another one, the politician guy, whoever, I don't know who these guys are representing either, by the way, but one comes out of his office in his building or whatever, and then they are, have guns to him. So nice. I don't know. Apparently they're killing it. It's not just killing that one guy. It's doing a few different people. I don't know a lot about 1990s state level Arizona politicians, unfortunately. So a little bit about this isn't, I mean, this is only tangentially related. I was talking about fear of a black planet before mm-hmm. and the album artwork. Um, I'll read a bit about the cover. I think I might've been wrong, but it's very similar to like the film I was talking about, mm. which name escapes me. Uh, it says the album's artwork followed Chuck D's concept of two planets the quote-unquote black planet and Earth eclipsing. The group envisioned B.E. Johnson, a NASA illustrator, to create the cover. Say Adams, creative director for Def Jam at the time, later said of the creative decision on the Friday artwork, quote, It was so interesting to me um, that a black hip-hop act did an illustration for their album cover. At the time, black hip-hop artists, for the most part, had photos of themselves on the covers, but this was the first time someone took a chance to do something in the rock and roll vein. So that's kind of cool. Taking the image away from themselves and into imagery that kind of nails home their, uh, their whole message. I don't think the next two discussions we have in this series are about Martin Luther King. I know the first two have been mm-hmm. and specifically about Martin Luther King day, which is not during black history month. But as we said last time, I think they're pretty closely tied concepts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope you learned a little bit of something. Um, we hope you learned your brains a bit. Usually I have something clever to say here, but I'll just say you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. Or you can follow us on SoundCloud. And that reminds me, um, I checked our SoundCloud page earlier today, and we have a whole 100 followers there now. Nice. Which is pretty good. It's not a million, but it's uh, we're thankful to have each and every one of you. So if you're listening from SoundCloud, we appreciate that. Um, also, oh, that's soundcloud.com slash getyourfunk. If I didn't already say that, I, can't, I kind of forgot. Um, or other places too, but those are the two main places to find us. Were you going to say something? No, I was yawning. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, if Kyle's yawning, that means we're done talking. I'm tired. I need my nappy nap now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>